You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 96 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Lee Fields, and our good buddy, Corey Edwards, is back on the podcast. Happy New Year, boys. How are you doing? 96. Doing great. I graduated the fifth grade, went into sixth grade in 96. (laughs) I was born a couple years before then. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, as always, I mean, yet another thing this week that makes me feel old. So Corey and I were together this weekend at Passion, and the Passion 2022 conference has come to an end, Uh, but... There were several moments like in production meetings and in catering when people would talk about, quote, the old days of passion and how some of the stuff that we're doing happened before some of the people in the room were born. And I was like, yeah, but I was there. Like, yeah, this is not fair. You know, my first my first passion conference that I served on was 2005 in Nashville. And so the fact that that was. 17 passions ago is yeah. crazy but we've talked about that before that was i believe that's the first one i attended yeah there were two years in a row there were at bridgestone but that one was the one with shane and shane late night candles on the floor it was a it is well was the the huge moment of that you know that was back when they did like breakouts with community yeah. groups and you know all the conference center stuff was occupied and then everybody moved into the arena silently for this late night experience that was just one of the coolest moments ever was was steve fee around then yeah he was around and he's i think his last one was like maybe oh seven okay oh eight because oh seven was the first year we did two arenas in atlanta okay um chris tomlin's guy at the time mark thomas was mixing phillips and then I was mixing the B room, which was a 7,000 seat sort of overflow space in the World Congress Center. And so Fee was one of the bands, and the bands would kind of trade back and forth. And the speaker was broadcast from whichever room they were live in. It was around the time that, you know, we were first starting to do live stream from an alternate location. So it was like North Point, Passion. Yeah. That whole thing had just kind of started. So, well, my community group at the first Passion I went to in Nashville, I believe Steve was the worship leader for the community group. That's really funny. So it was just like him on an acoustic with like, I don't know how many people were in there. Is it maybe like 75? Oh, was it that, that few? Oh, I think it was small. Okay. I mean, the whole arena was like 14,000 people. So maybe it was a couple hundred. And it was like sitting on yeah, the floor yeah. in a convention center. And like there's little groups all over the floor. Yep. So my role the first year that I served was to be kind of the host slash production person for those artists in those rooms. And so you were with Steve Fee. I was the host for Nathan and Christy Knuckles in their version of that. Got it. So I was like helping them set up their pro presenter computer and make sure they had their di and their xlr for their mic and acoustic and i remember nathan said we officially have the most overqualified pro presenter lyrics op in the building (laughs) (laughs) it was it was very funny but yeah those were the days my my this was my second passion ever i've only ever done the two in the in the superdome at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so I feel spoiled to, to get to just experience both of those. Yeah, one with Elevation two years ago, and then this year with Brooke Lidgerwood yeah. at at Mercedes-Benz. It was very cool. I was kind of bummed I couldn't be with you guys, but at the same time, it was also nice to be home the whole holiday season, which that was a whole, that was a weird thing in and of itself, but. Yeah, first time in how many years you had no responsibilities over Christmas or New Year's? Um, I believe since 2006. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, 06. I know your kids and wife were super grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, I have I was single in 06 and was still doing Christmas at church, so it's even before that. There's years I miss I miss that the church grind. Yeah. Of that the season and then 
there's years, I think this year I, I was really grateful to get to be home too and just enjoy my family. So there's a lot we want to talk about today and a lot of different topics. So, you know, we haven't really planned how we're going to flow. So before we get to passion, you know, there's a couple other things we need to talk about. But before we get into all that, I want you to tell us about your experience at the car stereo store. Yeah. So I text Corey a little bit about this. He kind of knows that I'm I'm sticking my nose somewhere I probably don't belong. <laughs> but I sent him a text like I think he's about to sound check at Passion, and I know this. And I text him, like, hey, have you ever thought about upgrading the PA in your truck? Because we have the same truck. So I just call it a PA because I think it's funny. And he's a little busy. So, um, no, I have an F-150, and it has the upgraded B&O sound system in it, which you would think, like, the top-of-the-line sound system you could get in a car, usually they're not horrible, like, the Tahoe, like the Expedition, those bigger cars with the the premium sound system, they sound okay. Well, the F-150 with the B&O, it's garbage. There's a sub in it. It's an 8-inch sub in the back in this little plastic box. They're terrible. I don't see. I don't even have a sub in my truck. Uh, so I just don't have low end. So all. if if you look at my EQ and Spotify for my car, the 60 hertz band is dimed all the way to the ceiling. <laughs> that's amazing. And it's still not distorted. It's that's still not even overdriving the amp. But anyway, so I was like, man, should I? Okay, I'll just go, you know, kick the tires a little bit. So at our office up here, just across the street, there's a car audio place and it's got really good reviews. It's been there like 20 years. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go in here. Hopefully it won't be an experience like, you ever gone to a gun store or any one of these weird stores that sell very niche things where you feel like an idiot unless you don't know everything? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. like car audio stores, I feel like could be the same. But if you're us and you're a professional audio engineer for a living, how do you go in here and say to this guy who's hopefully well-versed and trained in what he does that you know probably an equal amount of fundamentals about at least the physics of audio and sound and mixing, but maybe not low voltage. So I tried this (laughs) and it went good. It's not terrible so far, but I I show up to the place. I meet this guy. His name's Brian. He's worked there 10 years himself. And I just kind of say early and I tried to be like as humble as I could. I was like, Hey man, I should just let you know. I was like, dude, I'm not trying to flex on you, but I'm a professional audio engineer. So like any conversations we have, like, I don't know. And I, and I think I kind of said it like that. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I just felt like we should <laughs> let's I just think get I understand. this out there. You want to tell them like, okay, you can use terms that are audio related because I am familiar with it. Yeah. But it's, you know, because you don't want, you don't want to have the whole like, like every time I walk into Guitar Center, I feel like I'm, it's, it's just such an awkward conversation totally. because they're not experts necessarily (laughs) they're there to just take an order and make sure they collect sales tax on what i buy so it's a completely different conversation you don't want to insult the guy because he is hopefully a professional in an area that you know a lot about but you don't know everything about right but it's like okay how can you be so i totally get it i wish i was there to to hear the awkwardness of that conversation yeah (laughs) you know and he he's probably about my age i'm guessing so we kind of get that out of the way, and he's super receptive. He wasn't like put off by it. He was like, "Oh, cool, man, that's awesome." He was super friendly, and he immediately starts talking about tuning as soon as I said that. So then I discover very quickly by what he's saying about tuning car stereos that they have full blown DSPs for car stereos now. So before I even went over there, I had already pictured in my mind like, "Okay, if I did this, what's important to me?" Well, I could just replace the sub and have a little bit more low end, just have some more 60 hertz in there. That'd be fine. But then I could replace the door speakers. But if I do that, I don't want to replace those door speakers unless I can acoustically treat them, put the Dynamat in, poured up the holes the right way. But then I'm thinking, well, my car's under warranty. If like the window goes out and I need it serviced, you know, so then I'm thinking like all that kind of stuff. So 
But then on the other hand, if you're going to go ahead and do all that, you might as well put a Dolby Lake under the dash and do full DSP. <laughs> exactly. So then I'm thinking of my dad's 87 Monte Carlo with the 10-band graphic EQ under the tape deck, right? So I'm legit. Smiley think- face the heck out of that yes. thing. Yes. I'm legit thinking, <laughs> do they do they make these still? Like, is that a thing? I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I don't get Crutchfield Magazine like a lot of 17-year-olds. You know, I don't, I don't know. So... So we go inside the store and we start talking about stuff and he's showing me subs and amps and he's showing me uh, JL subwoofers, which if you know anything about car stereos, like that's, those are really good. He's we're looking at the amps and then he starts talking about DSP. And I say, I said to him, so are DSPs built in the amps? Cause they are for us and what we do now. Right. And he's like, oh yeah. And he goes, but there's also external, but the external ones are, they can be better. So he starts talking about uh, tuning again. And I said, well, the most important thing is time aligning that subwoofer to the front speakers. And he's like, oh, it's by far the most important thing. He goes, it's so funny. People don't realize how important that is. I'm like, man, let me tell you something. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm like, so. When two worlds collide. Yeah. So the front speaker in the truck in the F-150 is, it's a six, there's a six by nine in it, but you put a six inch, six and a half inch. Uh, speaker there, but it has a tweeter that's external that you mount. Well, in the F-150, it's on the A pillar down near the front of the windshield. And the six and a half inch speaker is at your knee in the door. So he's like, well, does this need to be active or passive? And I said, well, active, of course. How else am I going to time align that, that tweeter at the front windshield so it arrives at the same time? And so, you know, we're speaking the same language at this point. He's like fired up. So we get through that a little and then it, he did do the like he's he he feels like he's very good at tuning and he has a, a way to do it and he's been through the classes and then i go well you can tune it just set a preset and then i'll do one too <laughs> 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 and then i'm like so do these dsps have inputs for microphones cuz i'm thinking now well how are we going to time align this without having a microphone and he goes, how yeah. do you do this without a smart rig? Yeah. He said, well, that's a, that's a separate, uh, instrument. So they have separate RTAs with microphones. The DSPs don't have microphone inputs built in. There's no way to, to integrate that all together. And I said, well, I have a laptop with smart on it. <laughs> he didn't know what that was. Like they don't use that. They, all these audio companies have their own versions and they, they work with iPads. Like it's kind of, it's cute. Um, so anyway, so then we go into like the speaker room and we're listening to speakers. And I tell him like, man, I'm not trying to like rattle mirrors in my car. I just want it to sound right. I'm way more concerned about it, it being good than the neighbors hearing me. And he's like, okay. Right. So he showed me two brands. He's like, I want you to look at Audison and Hertz. And I'm like, what? I was expecting Focal. I knew they made car stereos, maybe JL. Polk audio. Yeah. yeah. And so th- these companies are Italian companies. They compete with the Focals. They cost that much. So we listen to them. And Hertz like Hertz, like kilohertz. H-E-R-T-Z. Yeah. Okay. I guess they're owned by the same company. But when he said these two company names, I'm like, is he just trying to sell me something he makes the most margin on? I've never heard of any of these. Is this like Behringer of car audio? I'm so skeptical, <laughs> you know? So they've got this whole wall in one side of the room with these drivers, speakers all over them, and you press the button and you can listen to anything. Luckily, this store here in Auburn, California, everything worked. Every single speaker in that room, every amp, every subwoofer was almost volume matched. I mean, it was done right. Every head unit you could pick, anything. And he had his flash drive with his FLAC audio files that you could listen to, lossless <laughs> audio, the whole deal, right? So he... um he wants me to listen to like the best one first, what he thought was the best one. So he hit this Audison speaker and for context, like a pair of them and the tweeters, $750 for the pair. And I have to admit, I thought when I saw the price, I thought, well, there's more expensive ones in here. But I think coming from what we do with $10,000 line array boxes, you, I, I don't know. I guess I was just, I was expecting it to be more expensive for the best thing he had. And it was 750 bucks, but the next one down is like 500. And then the next one down is like 350. So it goes like lower very, very quickly. Exponentially. Lower, Exponentially. Yeah. So 
I connect my phone to the playback unit or to the whatever you call them and uh, open Spotify. And I was like, sorry, I'm, I'm about to stream MP3s. He's like, oh, it's okay. Um, again, this guy's super accommodating. So I play a track from our MXU soundcheck uh, system playlist and I'm listening to the best speakers there and they're, they're good. It just sounds like it should. It wasn't like, I was not wowed by it. It was just good. So I'm thinking, well, if these sound okay and they're $750, like what do these $500 ones sound like? So I click on those. It was terrible. It was like, really? oh yeah, it was harsh. There was like nothing below 200. It was like super hyped at like 12K. It was all over the place. And I'm like, hey, is everything flat in here? And he's like, yep, they're all run through a DSP here in the store. Everything's flat. I'm like, okay. Flat being like they've tuned it to be frequency flat um, or just like nothing. Nothing's done to it. Okay. So they had not done it. So you were just correctly. hearing the response of the loudspeaker. Yep. So then I yeah. go to the $350 ones and I'm like, well, those aren't terrible either, but they sound similar. There, there wasn't that big a difference. But the $750 ones were the best ones. But everything else was pretty bad. Everything. So then I switched to like brands I'd heard of, like Sony and everything else. And it is garbage. It sounds freaking terrible. So then I'm like looking at this wall. Every All these speakers are in this like individual 12-inch wide by like 8 or 9-inch tall wood boxes. And I'm like, well, tell me about this box. And he goes, well, that facade, they're individually in there. But that whole wall you're looking at, 10 feet long, 8 feet tall, is one big open cavity. Mm. So now I'm like, well, I don't know if it matters at all what I'm hearing at all, if, if that's the case. Maybe a little you can, you can determine like what this would be like in your car. But how in but the world? But it's way bigger than a car door. Yeah. And they're all in there together, and it's wood. It's resonant. Yeah. So um, we kind of wrap things up by like, I picked out like uh, a box for the sub for the truck I thought would work, an amp, a DSP, you know, these speakers. And he's going to put together this package and he's going to let me know what it costs. So I have no idea. So I left. Well, then I went to another store later in the day. I was just happened to be in the right part of town. I knew there was another store. And I go in there and they have Focals. And that's kind of what I was after because I thought, uh, we know some of the guys at Focal. We love their studio monitors. Well, let's see if this is good. So he has like this little Focal display and it's got like all of their stuff, their, um, their active stuff, their coax speakers, and then four or five of their subs at the bottom and a big touch screen in the middle and you can play with everything. Well, I'm like, okay, which ones are the best ones? And he's like the K2s. And these are the Kevlar drivers, same ones they do in home theater and the same ones they do in like the, prosumer studio monitor stuff. So I hit those. They sound freaking fantastic. <laughs> They're really totally good. different experience. Totally different experience. Uh, and I'm like, okay, how much are these? And he's like, a thousand dollars a pair. I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it. So we start going down the line. And even in the, in the focal stuff there, they all sound very different, but they're like cheaper coax. That's like $250 a pair sound pretty good and then the subs it's so hard with subs like the difference in the 150 dollars sub and the 400 dollars sub was how smooth it was past the crossover so like it like a kick drum or like a bass guitar thing would hit and it would either really stop at 80 or would have this like nice transition up into 100 120 as the crossover trailed that was really the difference which is more musical and I'm like, well, I, I mean, the only difference is really that, which is significant. So uh, we uh, did the same thing. I was like, okay, if I wanted like the best you could get, I'm just curious, like what would all this cost? And he goes, well, I had a guy in an F-150. He came in and got K2s everywhere, this Class A Italian amplifier, his, his own DSP, it was all this stuff, right? And he's, he pulls up the order and he was like, uh, $10,000. Wow. Dude, are you serious? 10,000 bucks on a car PA. <laughs> and you're thinking about it. No, no, not at all. I'm not thinking about that. No, I'm like, what's the like, I just maybe just replace the sub and maybe those door speakers. So 
I don't know. Let's move the decimal point and see where we can yeah. end up. Exactly. Yeah. So my my whole thought is does that does doing this upgrading diminish the car test? Like the classic check check the mix in the car. That's a if good the question. car is too good, yeah. Then like it's like if you put yeah, if you put Genelex in your car, is it the same thing as having Genelex in your speakers and not having NS tens right beside them? Right. That's, That's a good, good question. That's a good just, point. I just really need that Joe out. Rogan podcast to sound as good as it possibly can. <laughs> Forget him. How about the MXU podcast? I want these mics to sound as good as they can. That's true. So, um, so where where did you land? Okay. I the second store I went to, I told that guy too, and I was like, "Hey, professional audio engineer. Actually, we know some people at Focal. It's like I know those are different lines. Sometimes they're even like different companies, but." I may reach out to them and see see if they want to help a brother out. So that's where it's at. I'm waiting to hear back from Focal if they want to. If they want to. We're going to put car stereo videos on the MXU Now library. I think that's what I just said. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's my story. Well, it's funny. So back to the back to the first store, like the 350, the 500, the 750. Yeah. Did you did you feel like that was the difference between like? A ten dollar bottle of wine to a twenty dollar bottle of wine to a hundred dollar bottle of wine, or was it like? Because you know the some sort yeah. of relative scale. It's like the the five hundred to the seven fifty was a huge jump. Three fifty to five hundred wasn't so much. Right. Is that kind of the way it was? Yeah, it is like that. I mean, the like hundred fifty dollar, two hundred dollar whatevers, they sound very bad. So yeah. bad that I don't think anybody should replace their car speakers with them. Yeah, they're probably worse than what's already in there. Right, but here's the other problem: How do you know what it's going to sound like in your car? I guess it's kind of right like because a, you're not even able to listen to it in a car when you're testing it. No, it's not like he's got a bunch of demo F-150s out in the parking lot. <laughs> like, try the Focal, try the the Hertz, try the Sony. You know, that would be right. the right way to do that, but that's not going to happen. Interesting. I thought about posting on uh, Facebook. I'm in this like. F-150 user group, it's like tens of thousands of people, right? So there's people in my town in this group. It's like, anybody got an upgraded PA in their F-150 I can come listen to? <laughs> but I don't know that you I should call it a PA. <laughs> I know that you're, I love you referring to your car stereo as your PA. It's amazing. I know, I thought it was cute. He, when you texted me that, you you had a typo. Yeah. And, and I think it was like, have you ever thought about upgrading your PA? Your and PA I, track. Yeah, your PA track, and I thought, are my PA are my like your track tuning PA. tracks not good enough, or do I need to get better sounding tracks? And I was like, I don't, I don't understand your question. Yeah, you said something like, I'm gonna look at our text. Uh, you said, what's that? I don't understand. I said, random. Have you ever thought about upgrading your track PA? I mean, sound system. And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? I sat there for a second, like I don't, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, truck. I yeah, get it. Truck. Oh, yeah, one other funny. thing that happened. Um, I had questions for the Focal guy about the DSP. And I said, hey, I really need it to be Mac-based, not just Windows. And then I had another question about it. I asked if it had a microphone input. And this guy at the second store, he wasn't an expert on tuning. So he said, let me call the Focal rep, and I'm just going to put you on speaker and let you talk to him. Because, again, wow. I had done the... Hey, I'm a professional sound engineer. And I think it may have intimidated this guy a little bit. He was still super friendly. He didn't come off like arrogant about it. So he was like, he gets on the phone with the Focal rep and he's like, Hey, I have a professional audio engineer. He's thinking about upgrading his truck. He's got some questions for you. I'm just gonna let you talk to him. So I don't play telephone. I was like, okay, cool. So I asked the rep firm guy or the distributor or however they're set up the same questions. And I said, man, I'd really like to have the DSP be able to be used on a Mac. And he just kind of paused and he goes, well, any of the DSPs that you're going to want to use are only Windows. And I said, okay. So, well, like, what are the differences? And he goes, have you ever tuned a car PA or a car sound system? <laughs> I said, nope. And I haven't told him what I had done, you know, tuned stadium PAs with multiple zones and different things like that. I didn't say that. And, and when I said no, he goes, yeah, there's just certain tools with tuning a car that are different than things that you've used before that you would want to have access to. 
he goes, things like being able to EQ the left and the right differently. Hmm. He said, because if you're sitting in the passenger seat and that right door speaker is further away from you, the only way to get it to sound the same as the speaker at your knee is to EQ it differently. And I went, fair. He's got a point there. You would never do that in live sound, but okay. And he goes, and then there's this thing called all-pass filter. Um, it's it, They can be really helpful too, but I'll spare you. And I was like, oh, I know exactly what all-pass filters are. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. But can you believe people are tweaking out with all-pass filters in their car PAs? I got, I just added a Trinov, which is like a system tuning for, for your my room. studio. Yeah. And it does all that stuff, but by like itself, it does that. It's and, automated. Yeah. yeah. And That's it's so cool. This, the whole time you've been talking, I'm like, if we could just get this in there, we can get, you know, get this dialed and, and yeah. make it sound flat. Have you heard those turn-off systems, Jeff? I haven't, but I know what they do. I haven't. They, Corey, correct us here, but they it's a microphone and a DSP. It analyzes a room and puts corrective EQ on your studio monitors. It's it's more than EQ. It's it's EQ, time, phase. It looks at everything. And the microphone's this like four-head 3D. They call it a 3D microphone. That's cool. Um it's it's amazing. It's kind of and is it um is it paired with the specific monitors or like how does it get to the does it have its own DSP? It's the DSP. So it okay signal passes through it. So out of the controller or interface into it, into the monitors. And uh Got you it. just run the calibration once and it, it locks it in. But it's it's a PC based you have to like screen share in. To this like really old looking gross piece. yeah <laughs> but it just sits in line and but it's it's kind of been game changing for me it changed a lot of imaging and tone stuff um that i don't know that i could have figured out without it so that's cool that's awesome yeah acoustics matter they do acoustics do matter so speaking of acoustics let's transition for a moment with uh just a couple of stats about passion that I'm sure our listeners are going to want to hear. So sorry guys for the audio focused podcast episode, but you know, we're, we're audio nerds. So we're going to go there for a few minutes. So don't ask us about like number of led panels and what kind of processors they used. D3. And well, the D three was the content. 20, yes. 20 D threes. Was it 20? Yeah. I was, it was, it was actually, over 10. I th- I think. Yeah, I think the most expensive rack backstage was the rack of D3 processors because there were the couple that Passion already has and then the ones that were brought in to supplement. And it was a 20-space rack that was slapped full of D3. So there, there's that. But audio-wise, um, I just got a little quick rundown of the PA because a lot of people have been asking. Yeah. So it was L Acoustics, K1 and K2. So the main hangs, left, right, There were 16 K1 over 8 K2, so 24 box total, and that's what the rigging frame can handle is 24 boxes. Outfill hangs, again, that was, what would you say, Corey, about 45 degrees off the, the main hang. That was, again, two hangs, 16 K1 over 8 K2. Then the 270 hangs, which were further out, and off-axis from those, they were 12 each uh, K2. And then the front fills were 24 Kara and 8 ARCS-2 speakers. So those were lip fills on the stage and the fills that were on the thrust, which they called the shard. It was a diamond-shaped, sort of thin, shard of glass-looking thrust stage. Uh, subs, there were two hangs that were hanging directly behind the main PA. So the flown subs were, uh, 12 K1 SB subs that were flown directly behind the main array ground subs. There were 36 KS 28s in a cardioid configuration. And that was a lot of sub energy on the floor. Let's just say that. So I think they were cardioid in that they were in pairs of three with the center box turned backwards. And then the delay tower hangs, which were basically right at front of house, kind of off to our left and right, pointing to the 
mid bowl far end of the stadium they were um 4k1 over 10k2 so 14 boxes each on those hangs and then the delay ring which were eight hangs that were all around the stadium they were uh depending on the hang oh sorry there were 10 of them and they were between seven and nine boxes of k2 each oh my god so and those were flown those were like way way yeah. up into the 300 level so they Super were high they were really just for supplemental coverage that was out physically outside the coverage of the main pa um so yeah that was a lot of transducers um that's a lot of pa so a lot of pa 24 subs in the air on the main hang and 36 on the ground correct that's 60 there was no shortage of low end. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Was, was it still lacking? Oh, not one no. bit. In fact, I mean, I was I was mixing KB, and th- there, yeah, I had, I mean, for days, for days, there was no. It was it was. I don't want to say it was too much, but it was too much. But it was probably appropriate spec for a stadium gig. Usually, it's yeah. you don't have it. Yes, that's true. So that's good. And then for the people who are curious, I mean, just the, like, if you hit a snare drum acoustically on stage with no PA, the reverb time of the room itself was over eight seconds. Oh my gosh. That's almost like Tacoma Dome. Yeah. So take, except it's not parabolic as much as Tacoma Dome, but it's similar to that where it's like, okay, take your whole mix and just run it through an eight second verb, soak it in an eight second arena verb and that's your mixing palette so good luck with all of your um stacked reverbs and multiple delays Corey mixes worship records he knows about running the whole mix to reverb it really was a dream to like hear <laughs> you know especially the crowd saying it was like they had their own verb yeah so when you, everyone just sang by themselves it was actually really cool like it was really fascinating to hear that oh yeah it was amazing yeah because it's not it was not like dry and you know you heard everybody they had this beautiful verb it was awesome and it definitely i think in that environment it definitely inspires people to sing more because you can't hear yourself and it's just you're part of this huge anthemic sound what's not awesome is mixing an omni headset mic 150 feet in front of the PA in the middle of the room. No. And expect to get any sort of clarity or presence throughout the whole space. Were you mixing the talking heads? No, that was Tim Corder, who's a good friend of ours. And he he did a great job. Great but job. Without tools like X feedback and PSE and all the things that we have come to rely on, I don't I don't know, like back in the day. How did Billy Graham or any of those guys back in the day have any kind of engaging experience? And yet, obviously, millions of people made decisions for Christ under Billy Graham in stadiums. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it was a great lesson to me in just, gosh, how grateful we are that the tools we have are so effective because there's no way that you could walk up sight unseen with so few rehearsals to just make this work. I mean, it, it was astounding. What if they actually couldn't hear Billy Graham and they just raised their hands because he was? Like, he said something about, maybe raise your I heard hand. a couple words. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's wrong. And the other, the other issue is, I think nowadays people have this mindset that everything should sound like it does on broadcast or whatever. And so some of the feedback that we as engineers were getting from you know, whether it was leadership or other people with opinions or whatever, you know, you got to be careful how you say these things, but it was like, you know, you don't want it to turn into a turn down for MXU moment, but at some point you have to educate people on the limitations of physics because people would come up and say, you know, can you make the speech louder? Can you make the speech louder? Can you make the speech louder? And the answer is actually, no, we can't because we're riding the line of gain before feedback all the time. Right. Like Tim was sitting there literally riding the threshold knob in PSE 
instead of the fader, instead of a finger on the fader, he had his finger on the threshold knob of PSE because that gain before feedback line was constantly changing. So he was like, duck now. Okay, now duck. Right. Instead of fader up so you can hear it, he was doing the opposite because he was so close. So, yeah. no, okay, back down, back down. Right. Wow. And with an eight-second reverb time, it's like, how do you not let it come back into itself? I mean, anybody who's listened to a ref call an NFL game yeah. and the, the thing starts to feed back, it's like, that's the risk you're running every time you have a, head, a headset mic in a stadium. Yeah. The other thing, though, that was going against him was that a few of the talks were video pre-records. And so you have this dry signal that's awesome yeah. that can't feed back. And then the next speaker hits the deck and their volume is 10 dB softer right. just because it has to be. And it's like, well, there's a speaker, there's a speaker. Why don't they sound the same? Yeah. And unless you know, you don't know. So it, it was a big challenge, but he handled it great. And, you know, it was, it was one aspect of the event that people, you know, people who are armchair quarterback and just really have no idea about. So yeah. kudos to Tim and, Honestly, huge shout out to the guys from Rat. Mike was the system tech, and he's a great engineer and crushed it. I thought the PA was as solid, if not more solid than ever. I I felt this year it was better. I think it was very similar the year before at Mercedes, yeah. but this year felt like way more dialed, way like there was more headroom than mm-hmm. I remember last time, um, and tonally you know in a room that big tonally it felt great you know it it didn't feel like you were lacking in any anywhere you know yeah agreed and you were mixing a new band and during your sound check you got hosed by leaf blowers yeah we it was a new band new file and we i had i mixed her when we recorded her album i mixed live for that but i had all my gear from the elevation tour. So I had my outboard rack, different console, didn't have that on this, this one. So I had to make some changes and then, uh, they shot off confetti during that, the session before our sound check. So they were cleaning that up and they had to send the led crews back up to finish fixing some things. And so I only had five minutes of PA time in our, in our already very short sound check. And as soon as I went to turn it up, all of the leaf blower guys started working around front of house <laughs> with an eight second reverb. Yeah. <laughs> so Corey's getting confetti blown on him at 2 a.m. Yeah. Uh, trying not to literally go strangle somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, for again, for the Monday morning quarterbacks among our listeners, just a little inside info. Um, there were some issues with the LED wall on the first night because of the limitations of load in and other technical issues. And so they needed to spend the time overnight to fix and finish the LED. Well, the problem was all of the sound checks for day two were overnight sound checks, like Night of Joy at Disney. You never sound check while the park is open. You wait and do your sound check in the middle of the night. So sound checks were scheduled from midnight through 7 a.m., And that's the only time the LED crew had to get up in their massive boom lifts and cranes. And climb climb the back of the wall. Yeah, the back of the wall and all this. So we had to have the PA off. So basically, it's get the band set, line check, get their ears set. But each engineer only had seven or eight minutes of their band in the PA. So that was Brooke and Sean Curran and Mav City. And Carrie and Cody. So they each got literally 10 minutes at the most of their band in the PA. And then had to come out the next day, tired, after having done that in the middle of the night, to do their session. So all those things considered, I would say the event as a whole came off, honestly, without a hitch. I mean, audio-wise, it was a stunning experience. So kudos to all of you guys who had to endure that. Um, but you crushed it. And so it brings us to a couple things we want to talk about. So we'll, we'll nerd out a little less and talk a little more about application and all that. Well, I was just going to say before that, 
I posted something on Instagram late last night, just kind of on a whim about people needing to turn their vocals up. And when we got on Zoom today, you guys were like, well, Lee, we, Corey and I have something to talk about that's kind of uh, in line with what you were saying, but I don't know what that is. So I'm curious what you're going to talk about. Yeah. So, well, the first thing I would say is as Corey and I were standing there, um, he just made the comment about how much he is sort of as he's listening to his mix and as he's listening in here and listening to other people, how much he is running things through the filters that we established on the MXU live tour. Uh And he said, I feel like I'm mixing now with you and Lee and Raybold in my head. Yes. And so then, which was, it was a great compliment and a great comment because I feel the same way every time I've mixed since then, I feel like I have you guys in my head. And so then he turned to me at one, at one time and he goes, I know what Jeff's thinking right now. (laughs) And it was because of comments that we had talked about in the tour. So he said, you know, I bet you're thinking blah, 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 blah. And, you know find the thing in the band that's the melodic element and turn Turn the fader all the way up at that (laughs) moment it was the key the key fader needed to be all the way up and then later in the thing it was like okay take that acoustic fader and all the way up you know because we were listening to somebody else's mix and it was just man the mix was great it was like he did a great job but there were certain things that were like (sighs) it could go from great to amazing yeah, how to find that extra 5%. Yeah. Like, let's get it from 95 to 100% kind of thing. Um, but then that led to another general conversation topic that I think this is what we wanted to talk about. So, Corey, why don't you set it up and we can kind of go there for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I finished my set, you know, and you're, you're mixing in, you know, one of the biggest rooms in the country with everybody. Everyone's there. Like... <laughs> record label people, management people, like your friends and colleagues, other bands. And, um, you know, you finish and you just, you know, I sat there and I just pray. I was like, I hope that was good. You know, I hope that translated the way that I wanted it to translate. Um, and since the, the live tour that we did, my, my mindset about mixing has changed really significantly. Um, in that, I'm trying to think like I, you know, like Jeff and I were talking about what would Lee do? What would Rabel do? What would Jeff do? Because I think everyone has a little bit of a different like approach and, and headspace to that. And there are things that are more, are not more important, but just that people focus on more while they're mixing. Um, And, you know, my normal band is elevation and I mix them a very specific way. And now I'm mixing Brooke and I can't mix Brooke like I do elevation. Um, cause it just, it's not what she needs. Like it's not what her music needs. And, um, I finished and I just, I looked at Jeff and I thought, could you hear everything? How did the band sound? Was her vocal great? Because one of the other aspects of this specific event was that she played three brand new songs that she's never done live. So hearing the lyrics, people engaging with that were were extra important. Um, and we, you know, the way the set flowed, it started really soft, um, which which I'm grateful for because it gave me a second to kind of get my bearings. Um, as we got into the full set with the full band, you know, we started yeah. with keys and vocal. So I was like, okay, this is my time to just, I'm just going to get those right. Lucky. And then the guitars players started to come in and the whole time I was thinking like, you know, the, the insecure mixer in me was like, was that awesome? And like, was it loud enough and enough impact and epic enough and, I had to kind of step back and say, that's not really what I need to do with her and not what I don't need to do with her is try and push it to the limits that I would maybe when I'm mixing elevation, Um, which we then Jeff and I started talking about that a little bit more of, you know, that, that headspace while you're mixing and, and how you apply it to what you're mixing. 
because yeah. I think everything's a little different, but I, and I struggle with this every time I mix with any band is I obviously want to impress people. You know, we all want to be good and have people say it's amazing, but you know, in certain situations I have to find restraint in myself to, to not try and force that and be a part of the band in that moment. And you know, cater that to what is happening. Um, and that I think, you know, passion for me is one of those situations where I think my, I want to impress, but, um, it just, I don't know. We got, we got talking about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing was understanding, and this is, I I know this is going to be practical for some people, um, even in a smaller room, because, the lesson that you learn from mixing in a place like that stadium or any large venue like that, whether it's an arena or even a, an outdoor festival or whatever, but especially in a large enclosed space is that it's so much, it's as much of an exercise in restraint as it is an exercise in how big can I get you? Cause you feel like this room is so big. I've got to do everything big. And it's so not that way all the time. And I think Brooke was a perfect example because if you look at her mic channel, you know, just her microphone open on the thrust, you've got gain that's up to minus 30, 30 minus 25. And when she sings, that input gain, input level only goes up to maybe minus 20, minus 15. She sings so soft. And so. Wow. Unlike somebody like Christian Stanfill or somebody like that who's or Cody Carnes who's on the mic and when that element kicks in, it's like going from noise floor to psh, when you've got 50 dB of gain to work with. Whereas somebody like Brooke or Carrie, you know, Carrie's holding the mic sometimes below sternum level, and you're supposed to be able to dig whatever you can out of that. Well, sometimes it just ain't there. So you know, the whole idea, and it relates to this whole turn up the vocals idea because it's like, okay, how practically can we get a better, cleaner, purer vocal sound in any of those environments? Because sometimes it's not just a fader move. Sometimes it's Turn stuff down. Fader, moves, fader moves down of everything else. You know, so I, it, was, it just turned into a really interesting conversation about sort of bigness in general, but not just loudness, but breadth and depth and nuance and all that. So let's, we can just spend a few minutes talking about that stuff. Cause it's, it's very interesting to me. Well, in with your comment about volume and bigness and, and depth, you know, immediately after the set, Jeff and I started talking about that of my, where I would normally turn the whole mix up to get some more energy with Brooke, I'm finding I have to find the two things that will bring that perception because, again, turning up her music at a certain point is like doesn't make sense, you know, when you're watching it and listening to it and singing the song. So, you know, I think there's a lot of, and I'm, lear- I, I'm still very much learning this too of finding, and this is like a Jeff thought to me of what are the, what's the piano thing? What's the acoustic thing that I can push up in this moment to create that energy without necessarily just making the mix louder. And in a room that big, you know, when you have that eight second reverb, you know, the louder you get, the, the more like you can't perceive things as much. Um, and so starting this, the set so soft, I had to like mix my way into the volume that I ended up at. I couldn't just turn my, you know, band VCA up as we went. Um, That's a good way to say it. And, and you had to be, you know, you had to be very careful because not only was there an eight, eight second verb in the room, there was a couple second delay from when you actually turn something up to when you hear it. Cause we were, you know, what, 200 feet, 300 feet away from the PA. Right. So, all your moves have to be really intentional in that situation. Um, but I think the heads, the, the thought process of that is the same 
no matter where you are of, you know, what's the moment call for? What's the music call for? Like her vocal, like Jeff was saying, it's, I'm, it's incredibly challenging to mix that. Um, but it doesn't negate the fact I also still need to get that up and it right. be the main thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, easier to do in a room like the stadium when there's no walls and reflections and bleed. Um, but when you get in small rooms, like we recorded her record in a really small room and it was really hard to get her vocal to sit up on top of the mix. Um, but it was still challenging here in this situation to do that. Well, I think one of the lessons is that you can't assume where that impact and where that extra thing is going to come from. Cause it's too easy to think I'll just, I'll just push up the kick drum right. and that'll give us more body and more breadth. It's like, well, for me, mixing KB. Yeah. Cause it was kick drum, snare drum, tracks, vocals like that. <laughs> I mean, that's there funny were more than that, but it, I didn't know you were mixing him and you, you sent me a video to post and he's like, I'm mixing KB. And I, all I wrote back was kick snare tracks vocal. And he went, yep. <laughs> he did have a guitar player, but, but even that was just, you know, in a, in a vocal break, instead of having a hype guy, yep. he had a guitar player. The, the impact for me, it was like, in fact, even management came up to me beforehand and said, KB's vocal on top of everything. You see what I mean? Yeah. Then tracks, obviously, because that's where the bulk of the guts of the mix are coming from. But for me, my thinking was vocal, tracks, snare drum. And the snare drum was going to be the thing that would get that extra pop that would give some energy to you know, the craziness that was in those tracks. It's not always going to come from the snare drum. It's not always going to come from the kick drum. But it may come from, like you said, Corey, the subtlety of the piano or the energy of the acoustic or whatever that's going or to complement the choir. That the was vocal. A, that's a new thing. Choir is really important for her new record and all her new songs. So, you know, that kind of getting those, getting that up at times too. Like, you know, I'm I, and that's me coming from a world of drums is the answer to that question yeah. or guitars are the answer to that question so it was really fun you know it's fun to mix something so different and so opposite of what i'm used to um and to to have all those thoughts and and work through them and i was stoked that jeff was right behind my you know right behind me to just be like hey am i where where am i at am i close yeah that was great and but it led to another sort of slant in the conversation and so we're not gonna we're not going to name names or throw anybody under the bus because it was all great. But, you know, some of the things that we talked about on the tour about the overall mix intensity or impact, you know, a lot of us, we talked a lot about the sort of all band fader. One thing that we talked about yesterday though, Corey, was that sometimes in this sort of wall of sound worship context, even if you do push it up and it's louder, it doesn't necessarily make it bigger. Right. And I don't know how I don't know how to articulate that in a in a meaningful way, but I felt like there were several times, you know, whether it was whether it was Sean or Passion or Carrie and Cody, you know, several times during this the conference, it was like I felt the engineers trying to get it there and it the music itself wasn't letting it get there. And I, I don't know how to unravel that or how to help people sort of find keys to unlock some of that. But I think as people get more skilled, that's going to be something that they, that all of us really need to learn how to manage better. And sometimes the arrangement or the parts yep. or the track just doesn't let you do it. I think that's, so what do we do? I think that's three quarters of it. It's the sounds. Like even yeah. if your drum kit is tuned a certain way, when you do want to push it to get the energy out of it, it won't be there. Like if it's tuned a little tighter, those thick heads, the old like, I don't want to say Ludwig because Ludwig's cannot cannot do this too. But mm -hmm. what's that thing I'm trying to describe with this drum kit sound? That's like thuddy, that thuddy detuned. Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe not yeah. even. Yes. Yes. 
But if they're not tuned right, they're just kind of dead. And you th- right. throw those t- toms up and they're out of tune or the verb's not right, or you have too much attack on them. By the time you do turn all of it up, it's like, well, that didn't work. Right. Where's the body? Yeah. Same thing with bass guitar. Like if it's all 40 hertz out of your bass and you go to turn that up, you got nothing. Nobody wants that. One of the thoughts I had, and I've kind of been like simmering on this like overnight is, and especially in a room that big, it it reminded me how important that transients are. Yes. And not just transients and drums, transients and guitars, keys. And mm-hmm. it got me thinking about that conversation we had, Jeff, of the bigness doesn't always come in volume because if there are no transients to begin with, turning the volume up doesn't introduce it actually sometimes may take more away if you're running more cloudy yeah if you're running that volume into a compressor or a limiter or something of that sort you actually start to take more of that transient away because i had multiple times that i had to ask our guitar players to to lose some verb and give me more top end because i couldn't hear like literally couldn't hear them playing because there was no transient information or the piano is super comped or, and dark, which sounds great in certain situations. But in that conversation of bigness, I think it made me go, okay, this is why transients are really important. And this is why that small dynamic range thing that I think a lot of worship records have, which sound great on worship records, translated into a live situation don't work so well because you you when you start to squash the transients and s- make that dyna- dynamic range so small there's a threshold in a room with the PA with moving energy where that starts to not work anymore and yeah. i think that was kind of you know i had a couple moments of that of like okay i hear the kick transient i hear the snare transient um but i'm missing that on lots of other things that i wish i had so because that's what your ear hears you know that that peak is what your ear starts to draw to and right when everything is washed in eight seconds of rt time in a room like that that stuff is so crucial um and not to negate you know the answer is not just turn all your reverbs off i actually turned reverbs back on as we went through our set because things were too dry or too transient um and so there's a balance in that. And I think that's kind of what I've been simmering on over the last 24 hours. I'm guessing, well, maybe not because there was so much PA, but I'd guess you didn't use as much compression as you would normally. No, I didn't. I actually, you know, I I had drum parallel drum compression, but, you know, that, and I talked to Jeff about it because I, I was pretty nervous walking up to, to turn this mix on that I've heard for four minutes in a cloud of leaf blowers and lifts beeping. (laughs) And, um, and it, it made me, you know, in that it, it reminds me how important balance is. Um, because you can, you know, in that situation, balance and high pass filters get you really, really like really far down the field. And then you can sculpt some things and and start to do that. But in my head, I was thinking, okay, if I can just balance this mix as fast as I can, you know, I don't need to worry about compression. I don't need to do this. And like with Brooks vocal, compression doesn't work. Like I can't use right. compression because all it does is make that noise floor yeah. worse. Because she doesn't get that. She doesn't get loud enough to where I can use a compressor to to tame that. So. Like with her, it was lots of multiband, lots of EQ, lots of just finger on the fader. Um, and, you put a limiter and, on her at all or just let it? No, I had, I think I had an Arvox on there. That's cool. But um, a lot of it is just being in tune with her and yeah. and watching her and, and knowing when I need to just push the fader up. Or, does she hold yeah. the mic or is she on a mic stand? Both. She did both. So yes. she played acoustic and then... And then she walked out on the thrust to do a song and she held the mic and, you know, again, we didn't get to check that. So I was like, I hope yeah. this doesn't feedback as soon as she walks out there. Right. Cause you're on a condenser. Yeah. 
I think a huge takeaway from this when you say when you say balances, it's like, man, for the guy who's sitting there going, okay, what do I need to take away from this? Start with, can I hear everything? I mean, it's not that it's not that difficult. Can you hear all the inputs? Can you hear what they're doing? Yeah, yeah. And are they coming at you in a in a sonically meaningful way? It's like, okay, if there's two guitar players up there, can I hear the difference between guitar one and guitar two? If there's keys and pad and they're actually separate, can the piano be something that does have those transients? You know, I think tonally that sort of super compressed, barely any attack at all, really cool kind of lo-fi piano sound. I would love to be able to do away with that most of the time because I think it's just it's hurting a lot of people's mixes more than it helps. As cool as it sounds in the MD's headphones, it's like, man, let's open that up a little bit and get a little more ability to to hear the substance of the attack. You know, but little things like how well can I hear each individual source in a balanced way? I think that man, so many people just need to get back to hey, let's move the faders to where all that stuff is in balance. And in this situation, I didn't have the option to dive into plugins and compressors. No. And, you know, our set was 25 minutes. So in my head, I was like, I have three minutes to get this right so that I can mix <laughs> the rest of the set. And those are, that's another mindset thing that really changed with me is, is mixing versus like EQing and, doing all of those things because now what I want to do is as soon as we start, I want to be focused on those 12 fader, this, the, my 12 groups in front of me and move those. And I, I don't want to be EQing and changing right. all these like things. And so now I'm, I try to do all of that as quick as I can at the, in the, at the beginning so that I can stay engaged with the band and move with them and I'm not sitting focusing on an EQ for something or obviously I want it to sound good and be right. But, um, it's really in those situations, it's really important that I can just, you start moving the faders and, um, and take all of the fluff away, just focus on the balance of the music. And can you hear this part in the solo? And in this moment when she stops singing, does the piano need to go up and fill that space and not feel so like we lost something? You know, if she stopped singing, I don't want it to feel like the mix lost something. So what can I replace that with in that one moment and flip that back when she starts up again and yep. all of those things and love it. Yeah. Well, back to your post, Lee, I think there's a lesson here that goes beyond just turning up the vocal. Yeah. Because I think, what was implied by your statement was not let's just make the vocals loud at the expense of everything else. I don't, I don't want people to think that that's what we're saying. But I think for the people that do need to do more, they know that. And the ones that don't actually just do need to turn it up. Fair enough. So I think it's a, it's an experience and skill level thing where the people to go, yeah, but you know, totally agree, but there's more to it and there's a way to do both. Yeah. If you can respond that way, then you already know what to do. But if you, if you can't and you're going, wow, maybe my vocal is not loud enough and I could turn it up three dB or five dB, then, then probably you should just do that to start. And then if that That's causes good. you to want to dig in further and find, you know, better ways to, to carve that out, to still have the band be present and lots of energy and the vocal be clear and hear every word, then great. Now you're freaking mixing. But until then, turn the freaking vocal up. That was my point. Good. So for somebody who's in that middle space, where could they go to find resources <laughs> to fix some of these problems? Yeah, well, there's about 60 videos on vocals on MXU. So there's that. Um, I hear you. We do want to spend a, a quick minute, though, talking about how excited we are with new things coming to MXU. Yeah, loads of new stuff coming this spring. We've been, you know, cranking away at getting a lot of that stuff going, adding developers to the team. Um, and more strategic ways for pricing that fits different churches of all sizes. So we had a single user and a, and a large unlimited team account. 
and now we have something in the middle for uh, churches that have a little tighter budgets maybe and it's january so it's time to spend that money go check it out it's good get mxu.com get mxu.com is the new uh url for the website so definitely go check it out also this quarter we're doing a new giveaway so yeah at the end of 2021 we gave away a personas studio live 32s console so we're doing another gear giveaway and all we can say about it right now you'll find out more in the coming days but the biggest thing is we are um having something a little special for our video friends that's right we're giving away a black magic video switcher so stay tuned for that our friends from church gear new friends they were actually here in sacramento yesterday we're hanging out with them uh, they do some really cool stuff. You're going to hear a lot more about them in the future, but basically they will come to your church, buy all of your old gear that you're not using and pay you for it. Give you a check right there. And then they take it and resell it to other churches or people that need it. So it's really cool what those guys do. Sounds like a pyramid scheme to me. I got, I got in early. I'm on top, baby. <laughs> Ball out. Can I be in your downline? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be at the uh, Cowboy Stadium with uh, 80,000 Karens and get my diamond trophy. Oh, Remember the Advocare? I can't wait. Oh, man. There were so many. Oh, gosh. Amway, Advocare. Now it's all of the mommy mafia. It's all like essential oils and lotions. Yep. Makeup. Yeah. Healthy makeup products. Speaking of lotion. <sighs> I'm, not, speaking of lotion, I'm not making a joke. <laughs> Corey Edwards. <laughs> It's been such a pleasure having you with us, and what a great conversation. We could talk for hours more, but we can't because Lee's got to take some kid to some activity. So <laughs> we need to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, boys. Thanks for everything, guys. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon. All right, see ya.